Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Mary Holm, hello. Hello, Jesse. <laughs> nice to see you. Mary Holm comes in every couple of weeks to talk money. She's our personal finance expert and... Um, I should say, by the way, people get so much out of Mary's advice that we now have Mary's uh, interviews as a standalone podcast on the website. So you can find it on the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz, but also you can use whatever you usually use to find podcasts, and you'll see her there as well. And um, I mentioned this earlier in the hour, Mary, but most of us at some point in our lives suddenly find ourselves with a few bucks extra for the first time ever and think, I should get some advice on what to do with it. Yeah, it's sometimes inheritances, I've noticed. You know, people suddenly, grandma mm. leaves them a few thousand dollars or something like that, and they're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, this is a bit different, and what do I do? Yeah, so... And the and same thing happened to me when I stopped being a student for a while and had a regular paycheck. And yes. Then, and then someone I said, I actually did go and see a, a financial advisor, but I found him way too pushy. Oh, and yes. uh, and he wouldn't leave me alone, and he, you know, I didn't like the. And then someone said, "Oh, you should check out Mary Holman." The uh, I think it was the Dominion Post back then, and uh, then that's when I joined the Church of Mary. Oh, how wonderful! <laughs> and you don't need a a, you don't need a financial um, advisor if you listen to Mary's advice, and it's free. Um, yeah, which is good for all of us apart from Mary. That's true, except that I don't um, obviously look all that closely at each individual's circumstances and they're mm. all a bit different. And so, you know, I think there are lots of situations in which it would be good for people to have advisors. Really? But um, they've got to be good advisors. They've got to have your interests at heart. And that's why where this this whole Australian Royal Commission, uh, the, its full name is Into the Misconduct in the Banking, Superannuation and Financial Services Industry and, at the moment, there's a lot of stuff coming out about banking, awful, worrying stuff coming out about banking. They don't report until September, the Royal Commission, and is going. so we're going to have months of this kind of stuff, and it won't be only about the banks. And I was thinking this week about all of that and thinking, no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's a whole lot more other bad stuff maybe or maybe not happening in New Zealand. Mm. For one thing, I don't really know that much about it. Um, but one of the issues that's that's there and will come up more and more in the in the commission in Australia is the quality of financial advice people are getting. Mm. And one of the problems is what they call in the banks and some of the other super companies, et cetera, is what they call vertical integration, which is um, a horribly technical term, but it basically just means a company that offers... Um, financial products and also financial advice and so you're getting people coming along for advice and they're very likely to be steered into the, that company's products mm -hmm. and of course that happens when people go to financial advice from their banks and one argument says well that's exactly what you would expect, you go into bank B and, and get so called free financial advice because you're not paying for it out of your pocket and they come up with a list of, of investments that are in their products. And some people say, well, of course you'd expect that, and so what? But others are saying more and more, no, the financial advisors are legally obliged to put your interests first. Mm -hmm. And it, 
it's beggars belief that it would happen that, you know, if, if if they come up with sort of three or four different types of products you should have, that they would all, the best ones would all happen to be within their company. Yeah. And so that's the kind of issue that's been coming up in Australia. And depending on what happens in New Zealand, it, it is an issue now. The regulators are watching that for that sort of behaviour. The other issue is that quite a few financial advisors might not be working in one of these vertically integrated companies, but they get commission from some of the product providers. And so, I mean, one of the clear signs that you're not going to get advice that's totally unbiased and putting you in the best products is that they don't charge you for the advice, you know. And there are quite a few financial advisors out there who come on in, it's free, you know. And so you're not paying, but instead they are getting commission from the companies that they put your money into. And can, I, can I jump in and say that's how yes. mortgage brokers work though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. It, it is. And... That is another issue that we have talked about before and Mm. might talk about again. They are not authorised financial advisors, so they're not sort of the top-level advisors, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. And Some of them might be, but most of them aren't. I I think I'm correct. But similar sort of problem, Um, potentially. Yes, yes, it is. They're more incentivised to go to the banks where they're getting a bigger... mm, Yeah, yeah, It's, it's it's a problem, and it's something I've hated for years you know I don't think that system should be there and around the world they are getting rid of these sort of commission and in New Zealand I don't think we've gone far enough on that but Mm. so meanwhile I've quietly done a bit about that but we'll come to that in a minute Um, but one question I basically ask on my website is would you be happy if your doctor prescribed drug A even though drug B was better because the makers of drug A gave the doctor a big reward. And, you know, most people would say, no, blow that. I want to have drug B. I want to have the better drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of thing that goes on. And so I am... Um, goes on we, in the financial sector. Yes. And yes. possibly in the medical sector, but that's not Mary's expertise. No, it's not, no I, don't, I don't know how much of that goes on. And you, you hear that, about that sort of stuff, and, but, know. yeah, not my area. So, so <laughs> Jesse, um, yesterday I had a look through the file of some of the letters that listeners have sent to us. And a couple of these are, are, were several months back, actually. Yeah. They sent the letters in. And do you want to read out the first one? Because that sort of leads into the first point. Mary, I have some money from an estate settlement. What advice do you have regarding a process to find out options and deciding about what to do with it? Should I go to a financial advisor? It's a reasonable question from Anne. Yes, yes. And so basically, should Anne use an advisor? And... Broadly speaking, I think a good advisor certainly can do a lot of good for people. They can look at your whole situation. Um, If they're a good advisor, they look into your debts as well as any investments you already have and what investments you might make. They should be helping you pay down any high interest debt and and talk about paying down mortgages as well Mm -hmm. in in the light of other options. and they should also be looking at when you're likely to be spending the money and your tolerance for risk. They should be doing all of those things. And also, I think a good one should be teaching you about risk and teaching you a bit about your financial situation as you go through. So so I would say to Anne, yes, um, it is a good idea to go to a financial advisor when you've got an estate settlement, which is an inheritance. Um, but 
keep listening and I'll tell you a bit more about how I think you should choose a good advisor. But the next letter was sort of leading into that. I'm wondering if you yeah. can give me and my partner some much needed advice. We're looking for help, but we don't know where to start. We'd love to present our financial situation and options to a third party and have their opinion on what we can do to better our situation. It seems, despite constant budgeting and good income, that we can only just keep our heads afloat. It's been like this for years, and the thing is, I don't even know where to begin. Do we look for a financial planner, an investor, an advisor? Any advice you could give me and where to start would be wonderful. Thanks, Amelia. Yes, and so so Amelia's um, looking for someone to not only look at her finances or her and her partner's finances but their whole attitude to money it almost seems because they're saying they, they can only just keep their heads afloat um, so they want someone to perhaps look into the sort of psychological side of it all as well a bit, a bit about how they're handling their money and I would say a good sort of holistic advisor will do that, will look into all of that and so I'm suggesting that Amelia and Anne and any other listeners out there who think they could benefit from from an advisor should make a a list of a few that look quite good. And a good test of of, of whether one's looking quite good, actually, is if they first ask you about debt. I mentioned that a minute ago. Mm. because It means you've got to sit down with them, really, before you can work that out. Mm. Yeah, and and we'll we'll come to that in a minute. But... um, any advisor who's got your interest at heart should ask you if you've got high interest debt, credit card debt or higher purchase debt or car financing, something like that, anything with a higher interest rate than a mortgage, and should encourage you before you do anything else to repay that. And that's a good sign that they really have got your interest at heart. Because hard to um, see how they'd benefit from that, right? Yeah, and unless they're charging by the hour or something, mm. and, and, and we'll come to that in a minute too, but that, that is a good sign that they really... Rather than saying, oh, you've got $100,000, let me get my sticky fingers on that and I'll make some commissions from it. And and not only do they make commissions, but some of them end up going on overseas trips and that. And and the regulators have been um, monitoring that more. And there's been a bit in the the media about that lately, about um, those who offer these nice trips to advisors who do more than X dollars of yeah, business. Yeah, I just got to get 50,000 um, more into this investment yes. and I get to go to Fiji. Yes, mm. and not, sometimes it's even further than Fiji. And mm. so um, so that's a sign that, that that an advisor has your interest at heart if they're, if they're, talking, mm. if they're asking you about debt and talking about repaying it, and, and that's a good sign. But beyond that, um, what I suggest to people is that they have a look on... My website, which is maryholm.com, um, I've got a page on there called Info on Advisors. And that page is there. Um, by the way, I don't get any rewards for anyone looking on my website. I haven't got any ads on there. Mm. And and so it's, I, this is just um, something that I set up some years ago when it looked as though New Zealand wasn't going to get a move on and get rid of commissions. And I thought, oh, this is awful because there are some advisors out there who are working without commissions. In other words, they're charging you a fee. And that doesn't sound good, but it is good. You want to be paying for your financial advice. And so I thought, I'm going to put a list on my website of the advisors who do that. And in the beginning, there were only about 10 or 12. And some people said to me, oh, this is a bit silly, Mary. There's no one much operating like that. It's, it's um, 
you go, you're on a hiding to nowhere. Well, I've got, I counted up yesterday, 49 firms on there now. So more than 49 advisors. Right. Is this because they're um, taking your advice, Mary? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the the way advisors have got on there is just word of mouth, really. I've put in a column every now and then in my Herald column, something about suggesting that readers go to the go to this page and yeah. so I suppose some advisors have as well but gradually over several years it's built up and so there are 49 firms on there now um, I hasten to add that I don't know most of the people there I don't know much about them at all so I'm not recommending them I'm not saying to listeners these advisors are good I don't know. All I'm saying is it's a good start that they charge fees and and so you don't... Um, they pass the first test. Yes, ex- exactly. They pass the first test. They might still not be terribly good advisors. I think some of them are probably marvellous and, and they're probably very varied. And I do say to, to readers and, and to listeners, um, if you go to one of these advisors and find they're not doing... What they say they're doing, please get back to me because it's the only. It's only me here. I can't go out and monitor mm-hmm. them, you know. Um, but I've had very few complaints. I've had a couple of complaints over it's maybe about ten years that's been there, um, and a couple of times that's ended in taking an advisor off the list. But not many. I mean, I think basically they're not too bad. Um, but all the advisors on that list have agreed to a couple of couple of provisions in order to get on the list and those are listed on the page so you can read them but basically one of them says that the only money they take uh, that they get for giving the advice is fees that they charge their clients if they get any other commissions that they happen to get commissions because it could be that they're recommending a product that actually Mm. does pay commissions and that's all right as long as they give the commissions back to the client. They say, hey, I reckon you are best in XYZ's um, share fund, and they actually happen to pay commissions out, and so here they are, several hundred dollars uh, sorry, back Sorry, who to says you. that, Mary? That when to, for a financial advisor to be listed on my page, yeah. they have to have signed, well, by email, a promise that that's what they do, oh, and right. it's listed higher up on that page there's a list of, of what promises they've made okay. in order to get there. So and not only do they all charge fees, but but none of them take commissions, is that that's right? That's correct. Okay. They, if they get what them, a good they, list. they pass them on to me. And secondly, they... They don't pass them on to you. The, sorry, they pass them on to the client. Yes, yes. Good catch. Yes, yeah. I'm too busy thinking about the second promise. Um, it's sort of like a promise they've made is that I've, I've written down here, they have to give any client who requests it a signed letter that says the following, and I've just got a sentence here, I truly believe I've given you the best advice I can, having considered a wide range of products. So um, you can't really expect advisors to all have knowledge of every financial product out there, but you can expect them to have looked at quite a few different providers, good providers, and chosen from amongst those. And they also promise that I've told you about all real or potential conflicts of interest. So uh, that wording's on the website, and I would love to see listeners um, writing that out and, and, and saying to to would-be providers, would-be advisors, I want you to make this promise to me. They have All these advisors have said they're willing to do that. They've also got to offer either a free first meeting to 
clients or a free phone conversation with clients before they start charging anything. And they also have to promise that their advice will include property because quite a lot of financial advisors have only ever really dealt with um, investments, possibly insurance, um, KiwiSaver, that kind of stuff, debt repayment, but they don't know anything about property. And, you know, there are people out there who would want to get advice on whether or not they should go into rental property or something like that. So all of these advisors have to say that they are willing to to discuss property as, as an alternative. That's a pretty good test. Um, someone's, just texted yeah. me, someone's just texted me and say, said that they're finding this really helpful. Thanks. And, yeah, it is a great session, Mary. Thank you. Oh, good. Well, yeah. um, I, I love the idea. The reason I like this session is I love the idea of our listeners and people who follow your advice going in with, a bit of power into these yes, conversations. Yes, absolutely. Because that, that you go on because you know nothing. Yes, yeah. So giving them some questions to ask is really It's helpful. really good. And mm. we'll get to a couple of specific ones as well in, the, in a minute. They might People won't, might want to get a pen and paper ready. Um, on the website, I've also listed whether, whether the advisor has a minimum amount of initial amount they, they're interested in. And some of them, it's up to half a million. Some of them are not interested in a client unless they've got half a million dollars. Some of them, it's 100,000 or so. Quite a few of them, it's nothing. There's there's no specific minimum. So you can have a look on the website and, and see what they charge. Which is that, a bit um, complicated because if I've got $100,000 I received uh, in someone's will, but then I've got like $80,000 worth of yep. debt, you know? Yes. Then you might be best just to go with one of them that has no minimum. Mm. Uh, it's quite a good sign, the ones that have no minimum. I think they're obviously more willing to kind of look at people's broader situations, yeah. I think. Um, and then the next thing I think you should do, so have a look at that list and have a little think about it and read the websites of those that look appealing to you, you know, that operate in your area and perhaps have a lower minimum. Um, and then we'll get on to specific questions in a minute, but the third letter might be quite good to read here, Jesse, that from a, yes, okay. from a reader, a listener, I mean. Uh, your sessions with Mary Holm are very useful. Could you ask her to give advice on finding a financial advisor? For most of us, it's like finding a needle in a haystack, especially if we have no network of people who understand or know much about finance or investing in shares. We understand the need for diversity. They're obviously fans of yours, Mary. And the need to commit to investing for the long term. Yes. It is not enough for Mary to advise that we shop around and ensure they're appropriately qualified. We know that. Our problem is we don't know the questions to ask or how to evaluate their answers because they're usually smart marketers. They are, aren't they? They've got their little patter, yes. their little sales patter. And that was one point I, I wanted to pick up on. That was Richard sent that, that one in. And... Um, Smart marketers, indeed, some of them are very slick. You know, they run free seminars sometimes, and they're free, but then you go along to the seminar and they don't tell you much. They say, if you come and sign up with us, we'll give you advice. And um, and some of them have got smart enough now to not even, not the seminars aren't free, they charge for them because they know there are people like me walking around saying, watch out for free seminars, because, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, and if it's, if there's a free seminar, you're going to find that they're not going to tell you that much, they're going to suck you into knowing more. Um, so some of them charge for a seminar now, so that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good sign. It might. I mean, I'm not saying there's no such thing as a good seminar. God, I run some myself. Mm. But... but um, the um, I should add, by the way, those are usually for workplaces or um, clients of firms, and that I don't. You don't have a sign-up session at the end. No, I don't, and um, I I'm wary of those who do really. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean their advice is not good, but 
it's all the slick marketing that's kind of sucking people in that worries me. I don't think it's a good way to, to choose an advisor. Um, oh, also, Richard mentioned that he said some of us don't have a network of people who know a lot about finance. And I just wanted to comment about that. There's quite a lot of people out there who think they know a lot about finance and parade themselves as knowing a lot about finance. And people take their advice and go with recommendations of theirs on a good advisor. And quite often people think they've got a good advisor and it's not until the markets go down or something like that that they realise that this nice person who's been remembering their birthdays and sending them birthday cards and all of that is not necessarily that high quality an advisor. So be wary of recommendations from friends and family because the advisor they've got is not necessarily good. So as I Richard, say... Richard, you're better off without the network, mate. Well, I think that's that can well be true. So as I say, so if people are going through this process now of trying to find an advisor, they've had a look through the list on the website and they've had a good long look at the websites of those they think look interesting to them because there's a lot on people's on advisors' websites that give you a feel for how they operate, the kind of language they use, whether they just feel like the right sort of person for you. And then at that point, I think it's good to um, get together a list of questions you want to ask some specific advisors. And I suggest, first of all, you email a list to them. Send them an email. For one thing, it's kind of less awkward than actually going in and saying, hey, how are you paid and all of that. Yeah. People can be a bit intimidated into not asking that kind of thing. Secondly, if you email them, well, it's a good test to see how keen they are to look after you. If they get back to you and answer your questions thoroughly and do it fairly fast, that's a good sign. Um, it also means you've got their replies in writing, you know, and so people are a bit more, you know, the people with the gift of the gab can say quite a lot and then later on deny they said it, but if it's in writing, it's there, it's mm -hmm. there to be proven. Okay. So I would suggest you email them and the first thing you do is just very briefly describe your situation. You yeah. know, you don't need a whole lot of detail at that point, but say I've inherited some money or I just can't cope with, you know, it could be one of the, our three listeners' letters, they could send that into them. Here's my situation. I want you to help me with these specific questions or I want you to help me with everything financially. And then ask, perhaps ask again the, que the questions I put on the website about how people are paid and and whether they're willing to, to give you a free first um, meeting, etc. Um, ask them for a statement that says that says they give you the best advice that's in your interest, all of that stuff that I've got there on the website. I would also ask for very specific information about how they charge. Some of them are going to charge you by the hour, so they've got a, an hourly rate. Some of them charge a flat fee, so they'll say, to, to give you a basic financial plan, we'll charge you X hundred dollars. And some of them charge you a percentage of the money you're investing. And that third way... I don't think it's quite so good. For one thing, if you've got a lot of money to invest, they're going to charge you quite a lot more, and that's not necessarily fair because um, they're not necessarily taking a lot more time with you. Um, it also means that they've got a bit of an incentive to take your money and invest it rather than um, rather than telling you to repay debt or, or, or something else with the money or perhaps upgrade your house or, or whatever you're wanting to do. But... Nonetheless, they, that, that can work okay for, for some of them. So 
ask them specifically how they charge and you want their rates. You want to know if they charge by the hour, how much per hour. And if they're starting to balk at that and they're saying, well, it just depends, we want to meet with you first, give them a miss and go on to another one because they should be, you know, it's like anything else you buy. We like to know the price before we buy and, and I would say the ones who are not answering you clearly it's probably because their fees are quite high. I have had complaints from people that some of these advisors on the list, um, their fees are pretty high mm. and it's quite hard to justify. The, a lot of them also charge a monitoring fee, so ask about that. Do you charge it? An annual fee it usually is, and they say they're just monitoring your investments. They're just watching to keep an eye that things are going okay. Ask them a bit about that, what specifically they do, and do they give you send you a report each mm-hmm. year or something like that? Because that's one of the, that's been one of the scandals in Australia and the, the Royal Commission that they've been monitoring fees charged year after year. And when the commissions asked the firm what did you do for that money, they couldn't come up with anything really. I mean, you've got to. It's not a bad thing that an advisor monitors you, but they've got to actually do something, yeah. not just peel off a few hundred each year. Mm. And then finally, you want to meet them. And I've written down on the website, meet the candidates for the job of advising you. You're interviewing them. It's going to feel like they're interviewing you, and it might be at their office, and they're kind of running the show. And they're asking you questions about your finances. But in fact, you're the one who's hiring them. And so you've got to sort of... By all means, answer their questions, but ask them questions too and feel like you're the one who's running the show here. So they all will give you either a free initial meeting, which is better, or a free phone conversation. But best if you can go in and meet them, really, and talk to them. See, the the two things I think you're really looking for at that stage are, number one, do, do you understand what they're saying? If they're kind of blinding you with not with science but with financial terms and sometimes deliberately doing that to try and make you think they know much more than I do or you know I'll go with them they're they're the ones that know no don't go with the ones who say now I think you know maybe it might be quite good if we put your money in a share fund do you know what a share fund is and if you say I'm not really sure they tell you what a share fund is and they don't use big long words and it's really important that people understand you'll get a vibe won't you yeah exactly and the other thing obviously is trust you know and and some of these people as Richard said are smart marketers um but that doesn't mean they're people that you would really trust you want to feel like they're going to be people that you can... You're also going to get into conversations about your family situation quite often. You know, let's say at some point you might be looking at getting a reverse mortgage on your house, perhaps later in retirement. Um, The kids might maybe should be told about that, and it might depend on whether your kids are ratbags or nice people because it could eat into their inheritance, Mm. their expected inheritance. You want to be able to talk to an advisor about all of that, about the family stuff. It's not just... Uh, dollars. It's it's the whole situation. So you want there, to trust them. I wonder if there's as much variation between advisors within a company as there is between companies. Good point. Yeah, I yeah. mean, on that list of firms on my website, some of them are only one advisor. I list name the advisors mm. as well. Some of them have got half a dozen. But some advisors. of them have an about about us page. And you look down and you go, well, I wouldn't mind dealing with you, yes. but oh, I'm going to stay well away from you. That's that's quite right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Go and look at their websites and have a look at their pictures because unfortunately I mean we don't 
particularly want a necessarily good looking advice, but we want someone who feels like My advice we is could relate. Stay away from the good looking <laughs> ones. <laughs> Jesse, I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. How could you say that with your gorgeous face? Oh, thank <laughs> but, you. Thanks, Mary. But, uh, okay. Someone has asked, by the way, what are the differences between the different types of advisors, RFA, AFA, CFP? Does that yes. matter? Yes, it does. And at the very top of that page on my website, it actually says that. Oh, actually, I'm running out of time, Mary. I've just realised. Yeah. We've got about one okay. and a half minutes. AFAs are the authorised financial advisors. They're the top level ones, they're the ones you want to go to. There's new legislation coming through that might change that, but not for another year or so. Um, so AFAs are the, want, the ones you want. RFAs are less qualified and less, uh, have to go through, jump through fewer hoops. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any more from you on this topic? Not really, no. Okay. Hey, no. Um, great session. And if people came to it late... Mary's podcasts are now available online. If you head to RNZ, the series and podcasts page, you can listen to that piece in its entirety. And um, it was a great session on how to choose a financial advisor. If you've reached that point in life where you think you need a bit of help with how to sort out your money. Thanks so much.